0: good morning church. Listen, um, we're highlighting a couple things today. VBS, you just have no idea how many people that will change lives for, and we pray that you'll help out with that. But when uh, Scott's talking about youth fundraisers, um, we do, there's lots of ways for kids to go to camp. And for us growing up, it was one of our sweetest places. And in our home, in our family, my dad was a salesman, which means at some point in times we had extra money and then at some point in time,s we had no money. And so we went to camp and felt like we fit in with everybody else some years because someone in the church gave money for a random scholarship so a kid could go to camp. And that kid was me. Um, and then there were a few years where we had extra, and Dad would give a little bit of extra money. But I'll tell you what life was like most of all, and what I see in our church most of all is this, is that life is tight. We have a thousand strings on us. And some, sometimes we have families who don't need a full scholarship, but if the price of camp was lower for everyone, they wouldn't feel bad taking that help because they just need a little bit of extra. And that's why we raise money. It's not just to help the ones who were like we were that said we can't go and we'll kind of break through our pride to raise our hand it's also to help everyone else who's like we would love to go but we're not so bad off that we need to ask for help but we're not sure we can go if we didn't have it and so that limbo world when we do chili fundraisers when we do brisket fundraisers it's really a very fun way we're going to feed you no matter what you give it's not to raise money to, to, for the church to do something it's just to give you a way to be sneaky generous to help love on some kids and let them know um, that you love them and some families so that's just my little personal testimony for that jorge you can thank me later um as we do if you turn your bible to luke chapter 2 we'll be in verse 42 today excuse me and we'll run pretty hard through this i would tell you this um this scene in scripture is one of those pivotal scenes we have to get right to move on Uh, we need to hear it because it is pretty counter to what um, we would look at and understand today in our culture and maybe what's even normal in the church Um, if I were just creating a title title my title is seeking Jesus seeking and finding Jesus as long as Jesus is in there I'll let you title the next one Um, but the reality is I don't think many are looking for Jesus anymore Uh, And we want to say, first of all, how do we find Jesus so that we know about seeking Jesus? Um, I want to show you guys an image on here. If you've seen this image before, it shows up all over the place on my Google Maps. Do we have it up there? I sent it in late. We'll see. If not, that's okay. We'll make it work. Perfect. We're getting close. There it is. That's it. Have you guys seen that image before? What does it mean? You are here, right? This is where I am. This is where I am. If you push your finger on your Google map, that shows up, right? That finger shows you where you are, what you're looking for, it marks that spot. Do you know this you are here uh, symbol is big business. Google maps made, this is hilarious, mainly in advertising, $11 billion last year. Just Google maps, that free map, it doesn't cost you anything. It made $11 billion on average, it has 1.8 billion average users every day. 1.8 billion people on average around the world interact with that symbol, with this map symbol. So what makes it so valuable? What really makes it valuable is what it's in reference to. It was funny, I was, I was giggling as I was writing these in my notes uh, this week. Because you are here, that symbol only matters if I know where I'm going. I mean, if, if you are in the middle of nowhere and someone says, where are you? You can say, I'm by a 25-year-old oak tree, a berry bush. And like, you can know exactly where you are. Does it help? Right? You can give all the clues in the world. If you know where you are, it's actually unimportant if you don't know what it's in reference to. If I know where the restaurant I'm going is, then where I am matters because it tells me how to get there. A hospital, home, a family member, a friend. But but here's the reality. If we take this mindset that you are here is the most important thing, how does that fit into our faith? How does it work when we say, okay, is my faith about where I am? Is my faith about where Jesus is? Or is it really about both I think our temptation is to understand faith as a you are here is your first thought in fact faith might often be said is if you understand you if you understand your place in this world if you understand kind of knowing where you are today what happiness feels like if you know where you are then you can begin your search for faith and, and so, so many times we're tempted for that symbol to be the marker that starts our faith. I am here, I now know where I am, and once I know that, I be- can begin my journey. The problem is, one, I'm not sure that that will line up with scripture at all, as we'll look at, but two, that embracing that statement is kind of where our world is today. I, I don't know this uh, Webster's hot topic of, of the year, But if there were any word that I would say most rapidly is describing our culture, it's the word fluidity. It's the word fluidity. When we think about what that looks like, gender, partners in love, family, purpose, job, it's just fluid. See, if that list goes on and on, and if you are here as the most important marker in your life, every day when you wake up, you have to reevaluate and find, where am I today? Because if everything is fluid, your job, your family, your relationships, your view of yourself, if all of it's fluid, you are stuck in the rent cycle of the enemy. Because you will never be concerned with another marker because you're always going to be working on finding yours until the day that you die. And I would tell you, Scripture and our faith has nothing to do with that Faith isn't about you establishing where you are. It's about knowing who Jesus is or seeing Jesus and him revealing where you are. Who was a wee little man and a wee little man was he? Zacchaeus was. He climbed up in that sycamore tree to see what he could see, didn't he? When Jesus saw him, what did Jesus say? You come down for your what? go into my house today. Is that how you learned it? That's how I learned it. Jesus identified where he was and told him what to do to come to him. Zacchaeus went up in the tree because he was looking for Jesus. But Jesus is the one that said, I know where you are, come to me. I mean, Abraham in the Old Testament, not near as fun of a song, But Father Abraham did have many sons. Amen? (laughs) Sorry. VBS rocks, y'all. But Abraham, God found him where he was and said, this is where I'm calling you. Follow me. Jesus, tax collector. I mean, just goes on and on and on. In fact, I would tell you that Christianity isn't about where you are. It's about where he is about who he is and then where you are matters if if your anchor to your blue line on your map of life if it starts with you it will never really go out and if it starts with something out there that's anything but Jesus it's going to change on you every other minute what fulfilled you yesterday doesn't fulfill you today right? Do you remember being engaged? It was wonderful. The way you said that ugly word to me, it felt so good. I just like hearing your voice. Three years into marriage, does it still feel as good, ladies? No. It's going to shift. It's going to change on you. So if the anchor is anything but Jesus, I want to let you know... it's going to lead you to a place that continually leaves you unfulfilled. And so what we're going to ask today is, so how do we find Jesus? Where do we look for Jesus? And we're going to look at it in the context of our world and us through a story that's pretty potent as far as parenting goes. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter 2. We'll start in verse 41. We'll read all the way down through 52. The Bible says it this way. Now his, that's Jesus, his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast had ended, they were returning and the boy Jesus stayed in Jerusalem. And his parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be, a group, be in the group, they went about a day's journey. And then they began to search for him and their relatives and acquaintances. And when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying he spoke to them. And he went down with with them, came to Nazareth, and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So, So let me make this context for you up because some of you are like, they went a day before they missed their kid, right? Before you get too critical, who grew up in a house where you your kid during the summer left after breakfast and they had to be home before dark? That was my home. Anybody? That's right. So, so I mean, that was 12 hours. So what's 24? That's, that's not it at all. Before we get in there, let's look at the context. The feast... The feast, excuse me, <clears throat> of the Passover was, was really this most important feast. And them going to Jerusalem and Jesus being 12, old enough now to move from childhood into manhood. Like this was a big marker in their family's life, in Jesus' life. Uh, to go to the temple, to go to this area, it matters. And so before we get too critical, Jesus is becoming a man. From a worldly standpoint And so there's some liberties That he got on this And so it wasn't inappropriate at all For his parents to have raised this child And trusting things are going on This, this wasn't bad parenting So now that we've got criticalness Out of the way of mom and dad Let's look at three truths that we need to pull From the story as we seek Jesus All right? Let's go back to verse 43 And I want to read through verse 46 only with you And I want you to listen For what's going on really well when the feast was ended, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances, they didn't find him. They returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Here's the first truth that I want you to know about Jesus. You aren't lost, and he isn't hiding. You aren't lost, and he isn't hiding. And and I'm talking to all of you. If you've professed Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, but if you're in the room today, and you have not professed Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you are not lost, and he's not hiding from you. And you might be saying, wait a second, but the lost will be found. And, And so let's unpack what that means. First of all, the search. They start with their relatives and their acquaintances. Then they go to their last known location, To him in the temple. See, what the world wants to tell you is this if you know where you are, then God will reveal Himself. That's how you need to interpret this passage. Because if you're lost, you need to find yourself, and then God will reveal Himself from hiding. That's that's how this relationship with Jesus works. The the problem that, that we start finding into all of this is that approach says you're at the center, you're lost. You're the most important. Start working on you first, and then you can figure out what's missing. But but start working on you first, and then you'll find what's missing. Here's the logical end of that thought, that you care more about you than your creator, and that searching for Jesus is similar to searching for every other fictitious thing out there, the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot. If you believe they're real, that's fine. Just go with me for today. But but you have to know in the general area where they are, you have to hone your skills. You have to become amazing. You have to be diligent to search out everything. And once you figure it out, then you'll be rewarded with the revelation of a figure who's been hiding from you this whole time. Church, I want you to know that may feel real. That may feel right, but it isn't. Because God, he's not hiding. That's what fake things do. That's the excuse we give to them. I love that a child asks, why doesn't God answer all of our questions? Have you ever made an excuse for God for why he's not answering your questions, like giving him an out as if he's not able Listen to 1 Kings 18, verse 25 through 27. There's a showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah putting the true God against the prophets of Baal and their false gods. I want you to listen to Elijah and his taunt. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose first for yourselves one bull and prepare it. For you are many, call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given, and they prepared it, and they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they limped around their altar that they had built. And at noon, Elijah said, Cry louder, for he is a God. Either maybe he's musing, Maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he went on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep and he needs to be wakened. see, a false God needs excuses. A false God, he needs something so that there's a reason that he might reveal himself to us. And a false God will never really reveal himself, A, because he's not real, but B, Because the true King of kings and Lord of lords isn't hiding. Where do you hide the creator of all things through whom is so great the rocks would cry out if we didn't? Where would you hide a creator that the psalmist says the heavens declare his glory all of the time? Creation speaks of him. There's nothing in scripture that says God is hiding. But only if your God is rooted in you Will you always wonder where he is? So, Mary and Joseph are going on this search, trying to figure out all the places that they could have missed him that he's hiding. They weren't lost, they were a day's journey from where he was in the temple. They knew where they were, he wasn't hiding. You see, don't confuse yourself. God hasn't lost sight of you, so therefore you're never lost. I was having lunch with one of our deacons this week. We were talking about this over lunch and there's a big field across from the burger place. I said, you know what I think it's like sometimes when we feel like we're lost is if your child was over in this big field across the street crying because they can't see you. But if you're in the restaurant and you can see them constantly and you know where they are and you know that they're safe and you know that they're okay and you know exactly how where they are, are they really lost? No. You See, when the Bible talks about being lost, it's saying that you and I have lost our way to him, not that he has lost sight of you. You see, If God loses you like a blip on the map, then how in the world could his son die for you? How could he die for people you've never seen, met, or heard of? See, you're not lost from him, but like Mary and Joseph, you can lose your way and lose sight of him. He's not hiding, he stayed in the temple. He didn't duck and cover. So I wrote these things. If I lose my joy in my faith, God hasn't moved. I've lost sight of him. If I lose my passion and my purpose and my power in my faith, God isn't hiding it from me. He's not worried He's not afraid. I've lost sight of him. And that's where my passion and my purpose and the power of my faith is anchored. So for you this morning, I want to let you know the first call is a call to repentance. You may have walked in this room today and you feel like you've lost sight of Jesus. Maybe you've lost your relationship maybe you're lost and you've never known where the anchor is that's why the bible says repent stop looking at yourself you aren't lost from him and he isn't hiding pick your head up turn around and look to where your help comes from so where does our help come from Let's go back to scripture and look for it. Bible says in verse 46 through verse 49 now of the same passage. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you with great distress. First of all, they're acting normal. Have you ever lost your kid in a grocery store, mom and dad? Right, this happened to us. I won't tell you how often, but it's happened to us. some critical spirit parents, I see. No, they're just like an aisle over. You know, most likely you went down the cereal aisle and you told them after they grabbed four boxes of fruity whatevers that they couldn't have them and they were going to put them back on the shelf and you kept walking and they got there and they're still enamored now, wondering, I can't have the fruity, but they didn't say chocolate. You know, whatever it is but when you can't find your child at a grocery store or at a fair or whatever it is your heart gets worried and scared doesn't it and then when you find them you give them a big hug and you tell them how much you love them and you're not upset with them at all right fear turns into anger real fast amen it's like i was so afraid i was gonna lose you now i'm gonna kill you don't ever do it again Right, It's amazing how that happens. Mary and Joseph aren't, they're not weird or strange parents. They're normal. They're imperfect. In fact, the Greek word when she says we've been searching for you with great distress means to cause pain or to grieve. In other words, Mary and Joseph says, no, we're searching for you with all that we have. But the search was a painful one. The search was one that grieved us. So here's the second truth I want you to hear. Seeking Jesus means running to life, not running from death. Seeking Jesus means running toward life, not running from death. There's something that feels really real, doesn't it? In fact, our world has pumped it into us. Fear is the fuel or the current that drives faith. If it's not hard, it's not good. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it, you're not making progress. I mean, for years, if you look through the pages of scripture, you'll see one thing. But if you look through the pages of human history, self-pain and embracing pain and faith, the world's view has gotten into it. So I want you to know, here's a problem. It's untrue. And the enemy in the world doesn't care because it's winning the argument. See, if fear is the current that drives faith, then a faith that feels most palatable would be one that has no fear, right? A research was done in America. This is in another country. What percentage of, of the faith was under age 50 or between age 50 and 18 90% of one religion is under age 50 in America it's Hinduism what's the end of Hinduism at best it's reincarnation reliving what you already know it doesn't take faith it doesn't even take imagination it doesn't even need fear 81% of Muslims in America are under age 50 and bolder than age 18 there's a faith that says there's no certainty it just owns it it just owns it fear is the driver and it doesn't matter At least they're honest about their embrace of fear. And what's happening is it's resonating. 72% of Americans or people age 50 to 18 say that religion isn't real. None. There's nothing to fear if there's nothing to believe in. If you go a little bit further, 64% Buddhism. 50 to 18, 64% of Buddhists in the U.S., are young people. What's the end of Buddhism? Well, the word nirvana can feel really nice, but the word word nirvana means really nothingness. Like, Like if you conquer Buddhism, you cease. Church, sin will gain converts. But we aren't here to gain converts to a church or religion. We're here to share truth and life. No Protestant group in America, right? And, I, and I'll say this, make sure I have it right, breaks 60%. And most are at 50 or below with 18 to 50 year olds, 49 year olds. And what do you see Protestant churches in America doing? Sending a mixed message Truth is relative. It doesn't matter. It can be changed. Reinterpret scripture in your time. Yes, it's fear, but yeah, don't focus on that. Yes, don't focus on that. The answer to the Christian church through the worldview is to water down your beliefs and make them palatable. That's not what scripture says. And I would tell you, even sinners who don't follow the true God are, are leaning into our false truth that either completely embraces fear with no certainty or removes either option is actually gaining traction in this country. Why? Here's why because we can't preach fear as the main driver to faith. you aren't to be afraid of hell. You should know that life in Jesus is here and judgment is what you should fear, not a place. Being on the wrong side, so to speak, is one thing, but, but we can't preach fear without faith and fear can't be, we can't, can't scare you into heaven. Because guess what that approach still says? You're at the center of it. Islam, you can never be certain. You can never be safe. It's all about you because you can't be sure you please this deity enough. You're at the center. Buddhism, Hinduism, you're at the center. Nuns, you're at the center. Every religion that is taking traction is saying you're at the center of it and they all lead to death. Here's the problem if you are at the center of it and Christianity then the prince of peace has no purpose in your life because you're the prince of peace or the princess of peace and so therefore it makes sense i must cause myself great distress and pain because then maybe i can prove god real maybe then i'll find where he's hiding church listen to what john the baptist says in matthew chapter 3 verse 7 when he saw many of the pharisees and sadducees coming to his baptism he said to them you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come snakes fleeing a fire are not running to life they're fleeing a fire If you and I know the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if we know the creator of all things and who has given us confidence in his son Jesus Christ and life and life eternal and to the full, who has said, where I'm going, I will come back for you because I'm making a place for you with me, then heaven is attractive because Jesus is there and it perfectly proclaims who he is. And judgment is so condemning because he is not and his grace won't be there either are you preaching a true faith or are we just preaching a run from the fire Listen to what Isaiah 55 says in Jeremiah 29. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. To our, and to our God, he will be abundantly pardon. Jeremiah 29. You will seek me when you f- and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Church, what scripture says is this. I am who you're looking for. The joy of being with me, the joy of being in my peace, the joy of your certainty in my life, the joy of what tomorrow holds is unimportant if I hold tomorrow. It's all about me as your anchor. And if I am your anchor, you can live with confidence and joy and peace and and, and, and patience. We we see all of that come up. Why? Because he wants you to find him. Because he's not hiding. So does fear have a place in our faith? Well, if perfect love casts out fear, then the only fear that exists in our faith is when our back is to the peace giver. That's it. And running from fear, if your back is to the peace giver, will send you in the wrong direction. You don't have to search for him in fear or distress, but your motivation must simply be, I'm looking for what is to be found. I'm not worried about what could be lost. What motivates your faith? Why are you here today? What brought you into this place? What are you running from that you need to stop running from and turn around? so that you can run to Jesus. What bitterness have you held on to? What hurt are you holding on to? What are you angry about? That you need to stop running from and turn around so that you can run to Jesus. If his burden is easy and his yoke is light, then the pursuit of God isn't pain-filled, but joy-filled. Is that the faith that you know? If it's not, stop right here. Don't trust me or your mama. Trust the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because the church, listen, the truth is a faith that is real and that sticks is a faith where you're running to something. All the world has to give at its very very best is running to nothing that's the very best religion the world has to offer and christ says i have so much more verse 49 and 50 as we close it out today and he said to him why are you looking for me did you not know that i must be in my father's house do you want to know where you'll find jesus the truth is he's not hiding and the truth is you have to run to him, not from something else, so that you might stumble upon him. If you are looking for the father, you will always find the son. And if you find the son, you will know you have found the father. That's what Jesus says. You won't be confused, you won't question, you won't wonder. If you're looking for the father, listen, Buddhism, Hinduism, nothing. It's telling you, don't look. The, the, the task is worthless. worthless. Islam It says, listen, you need to do it because you're banking on something you have no confidence in, but that's a better shot, trying to tip the scales, influence him because he's rooted his decision in you. The Bible says, if you look for the Father, you'll find the Son. If you find the Son, you'll look for the Father. Jesus says, why are you searching for me like that? I can almost hear the thought if I'm not with you guys and I'm in Jerusalem where else would you find me the holy of holies is right over there that's the closest worldly point of the presence of my father if you're looking for me I'll be where my father is here's what the world would want you to think that's rubbish God is everywhere in everything and all well-meaning roads lead to him so why search what's the point Just give up, do what you want to do. If you want to seek, you seek. If tomorrow you wake up and you don't seek, that's fine. See, the approach of the world devalues seeking because you need to be in love with yourself because you're the prize. Your kids are the prize. And God, he should say thank you that you care enough about him. Jesus says, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I would be with my father? i be in my father's house. Older versions, i be about my father's work. See, here's the problem. Sin deceives the sinner most of all. I won't read this verbatim, so if you see it on the screen, don't put it on the screen because it'll confuse everybody. But if you look back to, to the book of Numbers, I know you love that book, chapter 12, verse 1 through 9, you can look at it a little bit later on. But Miriam and Aaron were, were Abraham's or Moses's family. And they helped lead the people out of Egypt. And one day, Moses was getting all the special attention by God and by the people. So Miriam and Joseph said, well, excuse me. We're leaders too. Who set you apart to be different? We need our day as well. Sin had risen up inside of them. God can't just make you special. He has to make me special or him special just like he made you special. And then God speaks. He says, Moses is special because I picked him. It's not about who he is, and it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. And you'd know that if you were looking to me. Now, this is the David Adams standard. Please go back and read it verbatim. And when God stopped speaking, Miriam broke her out as a leper. And was removed from the the camp. The only persons deceived in that conversation were the sinners. See, there's the rub. If you're in the dark and you're embracing sin, you're the emperor without any clothes, and the enemy is so happy you're walking around that way. You're not deceiving God. You haven't won this incredible debate about your worldliness. He knows you're not looking for me. You're looking in the mirror. So let me give you your proper end. If you want to point your children to Jesus, point them to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Point them to the Father. And when they see the Father, they'll see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Son. That's why we pour into our kids the word of God. That's why eternity should be on our lips all the time. The Bible says in John chapter one that Jesus is the light of life. He makes everything clear. If you don't know what tomorrow holds, if you don't know what tomorrow is anchored in, and if you're just living for right now, I do encourage you, take a challenge, risk it. Let a pursuit of Jesus shine that light on that thought and see what it exposes. Because no one wants to live walking around like the emperor without any clothes, deceived by our own sins. He's not hiding. He's inviting you to repent, to run to him, not from something else. And you'll find him when you seek him with all of your heart. It's not a maybe. It's a promise. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day and this place. God, what a story. Here's a mom and dad that afraid they have lost Jesus and go through a painstaking search to find him only to realize it wasn't supposed to hurt at all. He was in the most obvious place in his father's house. Lord, there are men and women in this room who have been running from and trying to find you as they're running from fire. There are people in this room that have been deceived, thinking they have to figure out who they are before they can find who, out who you are. And there are others in this room that have been looking all over the place except for finding you in the shadow of eternity or wherever it is. Lord, would you allow this to be a moment? of repentance and reflection, of encouragement. We don't live as people without hope. We don't live following a God that we're uncertain of what he's gonna do on the day of judgment. Lord, we are sure that when we know the son, that he has set us free from fear for life. In Jesus' name, amen.